Amen. Take your Bibles if you would. Yeah, that's great. Great message in that. Uh, he has come and he is born. So take your Bibles and let's turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And then you can put your finger and turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at both passages of Scripture. Uh, we come to the fourth and final message in this series, uh, which is His name shall be called. Now, to set the context of this verse in Isaiah, it's important for you to understand the situation that they're in. It's about 700 years before Jesus came. There are a couple of great prophets on the scene. There are Micah, there's Isaiah. And the prophets would speak for God. And, and so the people of Israel had just plunged into a time of darkness. They were looking desperately for hope. And they were looking in all the wrong places. They were... They were thinking, if we can just uh, find it in our own strength, if we can just find the right king, the right political leader, they voted in a king named Ahaz, and he just couldn't do the job. There were other kings, and, and really the, the story of Israel was the rise and fall of these kings who would come, and the vast majority of them were wicked and continued to plunge the people of Israel into, into this period of darkness, and they would be idolatrous with other nations, and they had all of these issues. And Isaiah, this incredible prophet, one of the great prophets, came and he, he spoke into the darkness and he gave them hope. He gave them, he gave them a warning. He said, listen, there is, God is going to call a great nation from the north, and we now know that was Assyria, and Assyria is going to come down and it's basically going to wipe out Israel. It's going to leave Judah, the southern half, but the, the north, you're going to go away, but God is going to still preserve hope. And this hope is, is not going to come in the form of a, of a set of principles. Now, who brought the principles to the people of Israel? Well, Moses brought the principles, right? Moses brought the Ten Commandments and, and all the laws, and then the prophets would speak into the people, the words of God. And so they had all of these principles and the principles were pure and perfect and wonderful, but nobody could find peace through the principles. They continued to struggle. How many of us can flawlessly obey all the commandments of God? We'll find no peace if we're trying to find our peace in principles. They continue to look as I think even our nation and other nations, they continue to look around and think, you know, we can find peace through a politician. How's that working for you? Let's find peace through politics. Wow. Is that discouraging? Well, if politics won't work, then we're going to find peace through power. We'll just balance the powers. If I just have enough power, it's, and they have the power. It just will find peace and power. Listen, you can find some temporary peace with a, with a politician. You might find some temporary peace through a balance of power. There are people who are striving this day, hoping they'll find peace in their homes. They just couldn't wait for their families to come over, and now they just can't wait for their families to leave. There's no peace. There's no peace in, in power and politics and in principles and even there's no peace in people. I just can't find the people that will bring me peace. We desperately need a prince of peace. 
will never find peace through principles. The story of Christmas tells us we'll, finally, we'll only find peace through a prince. And when we unlock this, when we unfold this prince, he is an amazing person. And he offers you the only place you can find peace. He offers you the only way you truly can have hope. The only way you can ever have anything other than temporary fulfillment, temporary pleasure, he offers you eternal life. We desperately need a prince. And so he speaks into this dark situation in Israel. And here's what he says, for unto us, a child is born, a child. We got lots of children born in Israel. Why do we need another child? Well, this child is altogether different. He's a son. He's a son. He is given. And look at what it says about him. The government shall be upon his shoulder. We're going to place all of the rule. The authority is going to go on this son. He's going to be a prince. He's going to have the authority and the power and the rule. But look at him. This is what we're desperate for. We need a ruler, a prince. We need a child born to us who is a wonderful counselor, who is all wise, who is a mighty God, who is all powerful. We need a prince who is uh, everlasting, like Uzziah. Uzziah died, or they'd find a good set of priests or a good high priest, that high priest would die. We need an everlasting prince, and we need a prince who will bring us peace. And look what it says in verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be what? No end, no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it. And to uphold it with notice whose throne he's going to be a promised one of a prince who'll be on the David. David was a king in Israel back in the day, one of the, the first kings, if you remember that, after Saul. And most of you who grew up in church, you know this, but David was a king and God made a covenant with David and said, there will be one of your ancestors who will be altogether different from all the rest of the kings. He's going to sit on your throne, and he's going to sit on your throne forever, forever. And I promise to establish it, and he will uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth. And for how long, folks? Forevermore. Now, I love this last phrase. We can't vote it in. We can't make it happen. I mean, wish we could. Who's going to make this happen? The zeal of the Lord. It's going to make this happen. Now, that's who you want behind your promise. I'm going to send a prince. He's going to bring you peace. But he's going to be different. He is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father. Look to him. But he's going to sit on the throne of David. You know, there's no greater picture to me of the lack of peace in the world unless we go right to the very center of God's world to a city named Jerusalem. Don't you find it interesting that right before Christmas, you know, uh, President Trump decided uh, to move the embassy of the United States to Jerusalem and recognize it as what it really already is, is the capital of Israel. Now, how did that go over with the United Nations? We do not have a United Nations. We have a divided nations. 
And what's interesting is look at this map of the city of Jerusalem. If you go to the old city, the old city of Jerusalem, and been there a couple of times, look at this. This is not a unified city. We have, you have the Muslim quarter up there in the top right. Uh, I don't know if you can read the Muslim quarter. Then we have a Christian quarter. Then we have an Arminian quarter. Then we have a Jewish quarter. And Bethlehem is off here to, to another direction. There's a giant wall. This city is a picture of the problem they had in Isaiah's day and a picture that we have of the problem we have today is we are divided. We're pulled apart. This is not a city full of peace. In fact, the United Nations voted 128 to 9 that that was a bad move. Don't recognize that the throne of David should be in Jerusalem. We still need a prince, and he is coming, who will sit on the throne of David. But right now, right now, where the prince wants to sit is on the throne of your heart. He is setting up a spiritual kingdom in our hearts. He needs to sit on the throne of your heart and you can begin to tap into and experience some of that heavenly peace. But one day the prince is going to return. He will return to this city. But you know when you back off from this city, I think this is rather interesting. I just pulled back a little bit and I looked at that city. Maybe it's just me, but it looks a little bit like a heart. With all the arteries and the veins. You see, that divided city is actually a picture of the divided human heart. Making factories. Our eyes are pulled towards the world, pulled towards sin, pulled towards God. And your heart desperately needs peace. Peace, that shalom, peace that it's talking about is a peace that unifies, pulls you back together, gives you a sense of well-being in this world how's your peace this morning maybe maybe that is a picture of your heart you've got a little segment of your heart that's your church part I'm gonna give that part to God you got a segment of your heart that is your families you got a segment that is your work you got a segment is that and then you got some secret segments you don't want to tell anybody about the prince has to come and pull it all together Two things, well, really three things this morning. This whole sermon series was to help look at the fact that we have a desperate need for this Savior who came. We have a desperate need for this baby who was born in a manger. We have a desperate need for a prince. See, princes have authority. Princes rule. Princes have... um, armies, hosts, princes have dominion, and you need him to have dominion in your life and in your heart. And guess what? If the prince is going to bring you peace, there's got to be a battle. He's got to win the battle over the things that are resisting him in your life. He's got to win the battle over those things that you feel that you need to keep established as authorities and rulers in your heart and the prince can't bring you peace till the prince overcomes and has that battle in your heart. He's got to win back that land. I tell you, if you just look at the, mo- the 10 most popular Christmas songs, you, you can tell we have, we've lost the battle. 
<laughs> a lot of, I mean, uh, I looked at the 10 most popular Christmas songs over the last 10 years. Now, I like a lot of these. In fact, I like all these songs. We've got, I don't know what number 10 is, Last Christmas by Wham. Not sure what that is. Maybe somebody could sing that for me a little bit later. I'm sure I've heard it, but Wham has done the top, the number 10 in the last 10 years. Number nine, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I love Andy Williams. Great song. White Christmas. I want a white Christmas. That's good. Christmas Eve by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I like that electronic Christmas music. That's pretty good. Who doesn't want a holly jolly Christmas? I want a holly. I like jolly. Who, who, I mean, Feliz Navidad, right? And I like a little, I even like a little Jingle Bell Rock. Who doesn't like any Jingle Bell Rock? I mean, rocking around the Christmas tree. Some of y'all are looking at me a little strangely right now. I, I can, but I don't know, number three, I really have never, I've, I don't know what chestnuts roasting on an open fire is like. I've never done that. I don't know if you've ever roasted, but that's number three, the Christmas song. Number two, the number two most popular Christmas song in the last 10 years is Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. But number one is All I Want for Christmas is You. But Mariah Carey's not talking about Jesus. She's not talking about Jesus. And until you are singing that song to Jesus, you'll never have peace. You'll never have peace. We have a desperate need, a desperate need for peace. We need a prince who has no term limits in our lives. We need a prince who doesn't need any secret service. He's all-powerful. We need a prince who's not demanding sacrifice to him, but makes himself a sacrifice for us. We need a prince who rules in righteousness. We need a prince who is not for one people, one nation, who's not just for Americans. We need a prince who is for everybody. That's who we got. Luke chapter 2. Turn there with me. Watch this. This is who we got. He was born in a manger. This prince we desperately need. And in the same region, there were shepherds. Well, let me set this up. I just left the first seven verses off. You need it today. Mary and Joseph pull into Bethlehem. There's no room for them in the inn. They find a stable. She gives birth. She wraps him up in swaddling clothes. And where is he laying? In a manger. You know the story. And in the same region, but watch this. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. You just picture these shepherds. They're just hanging out with their sheep. They're hanging out with each other. They're worried about predators and wolves and all those kind of things. And then all of a sudden, just the, the sky splits open, and it starts with this one singular angel. Can I just tell you that God's angels aren't fat little guys with butterfly wings, Right? These angels that show up inspire great fear throughout the scriptures. And so this angel shows up 
And what the angel should have done to these sinful shepherds is slay them in their fields, but he announces to them good news. What we deserved is not the glory of God, but the judgment of God, and yet the angels show up. And just one angel said this, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for how many of the people? All the people. For unto you, shepherds, is born this day in the city of David a a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You go, and there's a sign for you. It is for you, the baby. Just like they wrap up every other baby to make sure their arms and legs are straight. They do that. They're going to strap him up in swaddling clothes, really stiff and straight, and put him in that manger just like you would do your baby. I'm sending a baby. And he's going to be a prince. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's laying in a manger. Listen, mangers are where you eat. It's where your animals eat. This is the restaurants you hang out at. This is a baby for you. This is a prince for all of the people. And listen, this one, I love this. One angel was enough to make the announcement, but it wasn't enough to celebrate it. Next. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and when it says a multitude, how many is that? A lot. Thank you. And glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let me tell you why that's significant. What you must hear. First time you hear glory of the Lord was gone. It had left the temple. Ezekiel shows it in stages, moving away from the temple. The glory of the Lord had left. The glory of the Lord returns, and it returns to a bunch of shepherds in the fields watching their flocks by night. And the glory returns to point to one person. And this angel, this group of angels, identify this Jesus. And if you want peace, here's, here's how you're going to get it. You're going to recognize you need it. You've got to recognize your heart is pulled apart. You've got to recognize there are factions, spiritual factions at war to divide your heart. They are after you. They don't want the Prince of Peace to sit on the throne of your heart. And so there is, there is warfare to pull you apart. You've got to recognize that need. And then you've got to, you've got to look, listen to the angels this morning. Listen to, uh, watch the shepherds this morning. They're going to point you to the identity of who Jesus is. Look at verse 11. If you break this down, it is just amazing what the angels declare about the, of the baby in the manger. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, unto you is born this day a Savior. He is a Savior anyone can have. What does it mean that he came to save us? How is a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, how is a, uh, someone from Nazareth who's born in Bethlehem, who's just a carpenter and a rabbi and friends with a bunch of fishermen, how is he going to save us The same Isaiah, 40 chapters later, says this. Surely this baby 
will grow up to be a man, and he has borne our griefs, Isaiah 53. And he's carried our what? Our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was for our iniquities. Him was the chastisement that what, church? That brought us peace. This child came as a savior one could have because all of our time. He was pleased to be crushed and afflicted and pierced for our transgressions because that was the only battle that could affect our peace. It was the only victory that could truly bring us peace. No principal could do that. No politician could do that. No, no power could do that. Only uh, the Prince of Peace, the Son of God, could, could do this. If he took our chastisement, if he took the judgment of God, we can have peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. I love, how, I love this passage out of Titus. Listen to how the Apostle Paul celebrates it. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. This is a little New Testament nutshell of, of Bethlehem. For the grace of God has what? Appeared. The grace appeared bringing salvation for all people anyone could have. And, and he, it, it's training us to renounce ungodliness and world passions. It's going to unite our hearts, hearts and run out, run out. And he wants to take over our hearts and, and give us a, a, a peace. And, and he wants us to be self-controlled and upright and live godly lives in the present age while we're waiting for this blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And so you see, he comes to bring your heart together, and then he's coming to that period of time right now. Now, how did he do that? How did he do that? Look at verse 14. He gave himself for us to redeem us from how much loss? All lawlessness. And he purified for himself a people for his own who are zealous for good. Unto you a child is born who is a savior. If we go back to this verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And here's, here's where it gets a little sticky for a lot of folks. We love the idea of a savior. Save us from our sins. We're not so keen on having a Lord. But notice what the angels, they were careful to say, under you is born not just a Savior, but who is born also your Lord. He's a prince. He comes with authority. Christ means the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the one that's been chosen and selected. He has been anointed as the King of Kings. He's been anointed as your great eternal high priest. He has been anointed as the eternal prophet of God. He is the anointed one, but he comes and he says, listen, I can only be your savior when you are willing to recognize me as your Lord. He is a prince who wants to rule you, and he must. He is a sovereign, everyone must confess. I love what he did here. It's how we know how powerful uh, Jesus is. And the book of Luke, um, how many of you have seen Star Wars? 
Y'all like Star Wars? I, I confess, I like a good Star Wars movie. May the force be with you, right? They have no idea who the force is, but we do. All right? Well, in this, in this movie, Star Wars, you got the, the vast evil empire, and then you have this rebellion, this rebellious group that is trying to move the dark empire out of the way and, and, and have freedom, right? So you got this rebellious group. Well, you need to know that Luke was part of the rebel forces. The gospel of Luke was a rebellious, uh, a rebellious gospel. And it was clear in chapter 2 when the people heard it back in the day, they're like, whoa, Luke, you only say Lord to who? The emperor, Caesar's Lord. Now listen, the people that wouldn't confess Caesar as Lord had some terrible endings to their lives. And so the angel comes and says, unto you is born this day in the city of David, not Rome, in the city of David, Christ, and who is he? The Lord. This is a little bit of a rebellious letter he's saying. And and listen, (laughs) it's no wonder Herod and, and the Romans were worried because Caesar thought he was directing the events. In fact, it was his uh, tax edict, his law that brought uh, Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. The only reason they were there, Caesar would have thought, was because he had made an edict from Rome. Everybody go to their hometown and, and show up and be counted and pay your taxes, right? Caesar thought he was guiding things, but this story makes it clear. Caesar was a puppet in the hand of a mighty God. God had, God had orchestrated all of the, the minute thoughts and directions of people across the land to make sure that on that day, in that city, a Savior was born. Mary and Joseph were right where God had brought them, not the Caesar. And this was going to be the Lord, not Caesar. And it is this child that God sends angels to worship. Man, this is a rebellious book. You know what the, you know what they would do when a new emperor was born? They would send out people through the land giving out what's called the euangelion, the good news. And so whenever there was an emperor born, he would send out a party, and they'd go throughout the Roman Empire, and they'd come into town and say, there's good news of great joy. Caesar Augustus has been born. And everybody better throw a party. The angels come and say, oh, no, I've got the really good news. This day, for anyone who will receive him, a Savior who is, is born, and he is Christ, the only Lord. And so he's just, he's just rapping. In fact, our sovereign God lined up the heavens to point to Jesus. Nature pointed to the manger. 
God just kind of whispered through the prophecies of Daniel and the scriptures into the minds and hearts of magi, the scientists from the east, and they saw the stars, they read the prophecies in the scripture, and, and, and God made sure sovereignly that after that child was a year or two old, that these kings showed up and financed their, uh, their lives and bowed in glory and worshiped the only true Lord. Now the question is, the question at Christmas is not really whether you say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. Just because you like Merry Christmas and you'll say that instead of Happy Holidays does not make you a Christian. You are a Christian when you confess Jesus as Lord. Let me just show you why. Listen to what it says, Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen to what he says in Matthew 10. Jesus says this. I mean, this humble man, he says, I, who acknowledges me before men, if you will acknowledge me as your Lord before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. That's tough, isn't it? And so you gotta confess me as Lord because you desperately need a prince who can rule righteously, who can change your heart, who can make you right before a holy God. He said, I could do it. And he offers us his lordship. But then there's another if you look at verse 11, it says, It is born for you this day in the city of who? The city of David. Now, I think it is very significant. He's born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And Jesus declared himself. He says, I'm the bread of life. In this house of bread comes the bread of life, but it's the city of David. David was a great king, but he was also a great shepherd. He was a king with a shepherd's heart. And, this, and the glory of God shone upon the shepherds. And the angels came to the shepherds. And God himself in the Old Testament declared, you know, himself to be the shepherd of the people of Israel. David looked at God in Psalm 23 and said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And see, there's three aspects really to this Christian life that that, that we see right here in the Christmas story is we needed a savior for our sins. We needed a sacrifice for our sins. We also needed a ruler over our heart who would, who would uh, 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 have authority and who would, who would uh, do away with the enemies of our heart and help, help us conquer the enemies of our heart. But we also desperately, as we wait for the second coming, as we live through this life, we desperately need a shepherd. A shepherd. Do you have that relationship with him as a shepherd? Somewhere and seeing a group of sheep with a shepherd feeding on some grass near a, a nice creek. I'm telling you, that is a picture of peace. That's a picture of peace. 
those sheep, as they have this sense of peace when they're with their shepherd. And the shepherd says, listen, you're out of grass here. Follow me. Follow me. And they follow their shepherd. And shepherd leads them beside still waters so that they they can drink. The shepherd leads them into green pastures. The shepherd loves the sheep. He cares for the sheep. You can trust him. I find that I need a savior, I know, and I have that in Christ, and I must submit and confess that he is my Lord. I must bow to him, but what an incredible, peaceful reality to know. A group of sheep with a shepherd feeding on some grass near a, a nice creek. I'm telling you, that is a picture of peace. That's a picture of peace. Those sheep, as they have this sense of peace when they're with their shepherd. And the shepherd says, listen, you're out of grass here. Follow me. Follow me. And they follow their shepherd. And shepherd leads them beside still waters so that they, they can drink. The shepherd leads them into green pastures. The shepherd loves the sheep. He cares for the sheep. You can trust him. I find that I need a savior, I know, and I have that in Christ, and I must submit and confess that he is my Lord. I must bow to him, but what an incredible, peaceful reality to know that he's my shepherd. He's going to take me through the valleys of the shadow of death. He's going to prepare a table even in the presence of my enemies. As my shepherd, he restores my soul. And I can know this even when I don't feel it. I know when he's my shepherd that surely goodness and loving kindness are pursuing me all the days of my life. I think that's one of the reasons he was born in the city of a shepherd. And that the good news was pronounced to shepherds because the Prince of Peace wants to be your shepherd. Jesus said this in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Every one of them. I know you. 
it says. I know you by name. But here's how you know you're a sheep. They do what? They follow me. I know them. And they live. And look what he does for them. Eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father sheep to me. And he's greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. And I and the father are one. That brings me great peace. I needed peace with regards to my sin. And he came as a lamb. He came as a sacrifice. He came and took my sin upon a cross. And I received peace with God. I am now a child of God through my Savior who was born. But I also needed peace in my heart. It was divided and plundered by spiritual enemies, split with desire. I needed a Lord, and so do you. Will you bow your knee to him as Lord today? Will you receive him as Savior? Will you walk with him and trust him in 2018? as your shepherd. Let's pray together. What do you want for Christmas? What is it that you want? I know the world needs peace. I know your heart needs peace. It needs peace with God and the peace of God. But you'll never know peace until you know the prince. No prince, no peace. Know the prince. Know the peace. Would you trust him today? What an incredible day it would be for you to bow your knee. In your heart, bow your knee and confess Jesus as Lord and receive him as Savior. And follow him out of this room as shepherd. Would you do that today? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I make that invitation to you. The shepherd himself makes that invitation to you. He says, will you follow me? Will you receive me as Savior? Will you confess me as Lord? Will you follow me as shepherd? Would you do that today? In your heart of hearts, you just turn to him. and Maybe with a prayer. It's really your attitude of heart turning to him. And just ask him and say, I need your salvation. Thank you for being born for me. I receive you as Savior. I ask for the forgiveness of my sins. You just cry out to God like that. And then confess him as Lord. Bow your knee in your heart today. Bow your knee to him and confess that you need his lordship and his rule. Pray in your heart, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my heart 
as it is in heaven. Pray that to him. Then church all across the room today, do you hear the shepherd's voice each and every day? Are you following him? Are you resting in him? Are you finding peace in him? I hope you are. Follow him out of this room. If you just trusted Christ today, if you just prayed that prayer, we have counselors that are up here. I'd love while we have our our invitation song, it's just a great chance for you to come and maybe you can pray here at the altar and just say, hey, 2018 is going to be a year of following my shepherd. Maybe you just want to come and just lay 2017 on the altar and get fresh. Maybe some of you have just prayed that prayer and you need to talk to one of our counselors. I encourage you to come in the first, the first uh, verse of our song. You come. I'd love to pray with you right here. Let's just celebrate. You know, the angels celebrated. They went crazy. Glory to God in the highest because there's now peace on earth. And the shepherds, if we look at that last verse, you know what they did? They went back to their fields rejoicing and glorifying and praising God. If those shepherds can respond, the angels can respond. You can respond today. It's the only response we should have to the king that was born. Father, I just pray that each of our hearts have seen you through this whole series for who you really are our Prince of Peace, our Everlasting Father, our Mighty God, our Wonderful Counselor. We worship you and may your, our lives be glorifying to you as you rule in us, as you save us, as you shepherd us. We ask now in Christ's name, amen.